Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. I'd love to uh, give you a little bit more insight into me. I am from Georgia, born and raised, uh, South Georgia, small town with only 5,000 people, so they're probably still missing me today. My town, uh, you know, I, I attended university in Georgia at Clark Atlanta University, which is a historically black college and university. My undergrad and grad degrees are in mathematics. I joined Ford directly out of school, so all 25 years have been at one company, uh, but it doesn't feel that way because I've worked in four countries. So I've worked in Japan for three years, China for six, Thailand for two, and then obviously the remainder of that in the U.S. So it's been a really, really great career in that way. Personally, I'm married. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I don't recommend having children late in life because you will be tired all the time, but um, she is the joy of my life. And um, I've been married for 16 years to a wonderful uh, man that people think because he's uh, Vietnamese, I think I picked him up overseas, but I actually met him here in Dearborn and Regent Court at Ford. So uh, the story isn't as bad, isn't as crazy as uh, some people think it would be. Right. Oh, wow. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, now, Ford Motor Company, that's awesome. And I understand today you're, you're the marketing general manager for electric vehicles. And so that's that'd be a really, really cool area to be in within the in the automobile industry. Yeah, it's a fascinating area to be in at this time. I will tell you that every day I'm learning something new. It's, uh, you know, I, I said recently to uh, one of my team members that I was the perfect candidate for this job because... I was driving around in my expedition, which I love, but for those of you who are familiar with an expedition, it's a really, really big SUV, and I was not convinced yet on the uh, EV path, and then this job came along, and it was interesting and exciting, and I said, you know, let me learn more, and I am totally converted. I drive a Mustang Mach-E. I'm uh, fascinated every day by the technology in the vehicle by the savings and the fact that I actually haven't been to a gas station in four months and I'm paying less than $50 a month for gas limit for charging, which is a huge savings versus what I was paying before. But more importantly, the impact that Ford Motor Company is making to the environment with zero emission vehicles and how we're changing lives even in the states of Kentucky and Tennessee by putting battery electric plants there and providing jobs to people locally. So it's just been a fascinating uh, last five, six months that I've been in this role. Obviously, my career has spent, I've spent a 
large amount of time in product marketing and brand marketing and um, basically, and sorry, I'm uh, losing my train of thought here, and also in analytics, but this, I will say, has been the most fun so far in my career. Oh, I think it's a really interesting area. And, you know, you I also see from your bio, too, that you, you know, from Ford Motor Company, but also you've been featured in magazines and so forth, like Forbes, Fortune, Authority Magazine, and other global uh, recognized leadership publications and podcasts. And, of course, this podcast now, which is pretty cool. And so I think that you're already quite keen in helping reduce the learning curve by sharing how leaders can accelerate their results and get more results going forward. And we're going to talk more about leadership a little bit later on as well. But you know what? I I actually started my career in uh, working for a Ford dealership here in New Zealand. And I understand that you've been to New Zealand before. You did some filming in Christchurch. Is that right? I did. You've done your homework. Um, I was actually working in China and uh, we were filming an ad for the Mondeo. And um, the Mondeo was, and I'm, obviously we sold it um, all across the world. It was called the Fusion here in the U.S. But we were filming it and um, we decided to go to Christchurch. And we did an amazing ad. This is in China when our tagline was make every day exciting. So it was a phenomenal ad that was done by our team in uh, Asia, our advertising team. And uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And um, it made me realize that I absolutely must come back to New Zealand because I didn't get enough of just seeing Christchurch. It was so beautiful. I want to see both the North and the South Island and uh, really enjoy the full experience. Oh, that's good. You know, around Christmas time is a really good time too because it's summer here, but even late January into early February is when we have some really, really good weather months and so something you might want to think about. Or if you like skiing as well, we've got that as well. So it's not, you know, it's pretty cool. You can go skiing, you can go swimming, you choose. Well, I, I already have a master plan. I've, uh, I'm a huge tennis fan and I've, I've been to Wimbledon, the French Open and obviously the US Open. I have not been to the Australian Open. I've walked Ooh, by yeah. Rod Labor Arena, but I have not actually attended an Australian Open. So my plan is to do Australia, New Zealand together with the Australian Open. I have it. I have it in a plan. I just need to now implement the plan. <laughs> That's good because the week the week before the maybe two or three weeks before the Australian Open opens, uh, we have one a competition here in New Zealand called the ASB Tennis Classic. Okay. And so some of those big top players come here and they play here first before they go into Australia. So like a little bit of a warm up. So, yeah, you could do all of that and have fun as well and, yeah, and then go and watch some tennis in Australia. That would be pretty cool as well. And you know what? We've got electric vehicles here too. So um, you can utilize I, that as well. I, I just signed. So, yeah, I know you do, and I, I think we're sending some uh, Mustang Mach-Eds there uh, very soon as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe I should talk to you guys about getting a sponsorship with part of the podcast and then driving around a Ford vehicle here. That would be pretty cool. There you go. Put you on the spot. Anything's hey, um, possible. <laughs> that's that's cool. There you go, listeners. You heard it here live. <laughs> it's all good. Sandra, the thing here I wanted to ask you was, you know, you've you've got an extensive background. You said twenty five years in the company and so forth, and and it's been one company. But you know, I spent almost that amount as well into Hewlett Packard and EDS before that, and it all became one company. But you know, you get to do different kind of roles as well. Right. For you, how how did you get into leadership? Well, my first role in leadership within the company, I would say, I was applying for a role in 
uh, what was then called Global Consumer Insights. I think we would call it marketing analytics today. And um, it was my first time applying for a supervisor role at Fort Murder Company. Very nervous. Um, it was actually an interesting time within the company. And what I learned in that experience was how important it is to have mentors and advocates uh, advocating for you because my career is non-traditional. Um, as I share it with you, my undergrad and grad are in mathematics. When I joined Ford, I actually did a stint in IT as well as product development and marketing plans and brand development. So I didn't take the traditional path. And then uh, after I finished the, those three, I then went to Japan for two years, for three years and uh, did a pro program management role. So when I came back and decided I wanted to be a marketer when I grew up, it was important to to have a, a few advocates and um, also support as I transitioned to marketing plan and to a global analytics role. And I was responsible for Asia Pacific. So I had an opportunity once again to support Australia, New Zealand, and all of Asia Pacific that Ford defined as the time, which included 13 countries. And so I traveled to about seven or eight of them trying to make sure that we actually knew what our business, how our business was tracking. Quite honestly, we didn't have a brand tracking that was global in Asia Pacific, so I implemented one. We had GQRS, which was a quality survey, but we didn't have it in every market, so I added it to every market. And then we had customer viewpoint, which is a way for us to understand customer sentiment about our vehicles and our brand. And again, um, I had an opportunity to implement that across Asia Pacific. So from that perspective, I feel like I've been working with the teams in Australia and New Zealand for the last uh, 20 years. And so feels really good to hear your accent. You're hearing mine. You don't hear an accent, but I do. <laughs> and, uh, and it's um, my one of my fondest memories is my boss, Nigel Harris, who was uh, a great buddy of mine, an advocate, and who was also from New Zealand. And uh, so it feels like coming home again to be on this podcast today. Hey, Dennis. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Now, listeners may pick up the accent already, but uh, whereabouts are you in the world today? I'm not too far from you. I'm in Sydney, Australia. Mm. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And your surname, Italian? It is. It's Italian, yes. And okay. the U ending is a little bit, throws people off, but it's typically from Sardinia. I don't know if you know the island of Sardinia, gorgeous part of yeah. Italy. That is where surnames come from with a U ending. Interesting, because my dad's from an island below Corfu, so between Italy and Greece, okay. um, a little island called Castos, and uh, it's untouched, seven kilometers long, but we have quite a lot of the Italians coming over to sort of sort of spend some time over there, which is pretty good. So it's very close. We're close here, Australia, New Zealand. I know. But also close from our backgrounds and our heritage as well. I love it. Hey, um, so I've given the listeners a little bit of a background into who you are, but we'd like to know a little bit more about you. So... You're the co-founder and so COO of Webinar Ninja, is that right? Correct. Yeah, which is a SaaS company, and you founded that in 2014. Correct, yes. Yeah, and then the $100 MBA. Tell us a little bit more about both those sort of organizations or things that you've been doing. Sure. So the $100 MBA was launched in December of 2013. It was an online course to teach people the fundamentals of business for $100. So not $100,000, like what a typical MBA education would cost. We made it accessible for $100 to teach the fundamentals um, of business to get started, to most likely to start an online business 
or to transition out of a career and start a, and launch that side hustle or that you know business idea that somebody had. You know, what you just actually just said there, I think that a lot of our listeners may be today thinking about, hey, I'm actually quite tired of the corporate world or any other, doesn't matter what size of business they're in today. If they're thinking about transitioning out to go and do something else, is it easy to do a transition into something else? And what would be one or two things you might want to suggest them to think about as they start thinking for themselves around that transition? Great question. So I transitioned out of a teaching career and my co-founder who I started the $100 MBA with and, and Webinar Ninja is my husband, who is also a teacher, Omar Zenholm. And we both transitioned out of, of decade-long careers to go full-time into entrepreneurship. So I'm very familiar with what that you know transition period feels like. And for me personally, I had no business experience. And the first thing that I did to get out of teaching was to give myself a taste of something else that could be a possibility. Hmm. I've been a big fan of doing short courses. And so I did a two-day film course. Well, I was living in Dubai at the time. That's where I ended my teaching career officially because teaching has taken me all over the world. And I did a two-day film course just to see if it was something that, you know, I could explore further. And just that little taster gave me of an idea to then go on to a four-week filmmaking course. And that was kind of how I found myself in entrepreneurship. So a bit of a strange way to get there, but I guess the first thing there's two things actually I would say, and I'll sum it up really quickly, is I had to decide that I really wanted to leave teaching mm. and make, and that decision phase can take years and it did take me years. But when I finally decided, I took action and I just did a taster to give me, you know, a sense of like, what could that next thing look like? Yeah, that's great that you share that taster piece as well in the whole journey, because I think a lot of people feel like they would need to, to rip the bandaid off and go and do the whole thing. And I go like, hang on a sec, don't go cold turkey. If you're not sure about things, try and do that side hustle or whatever whatever you want to go and do. Start doing it while you've actually got some income coming in. And then you can look at to transition very nicely into whatever you want to do. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Now, I understand right now that you're having a blast co-hosting a brand new kind of podcast with you and is it Kate? Kate Erickson. Yes. The other half of Entrepreneurs on Fire. Kate Erickson? Yes. No way. Oh, that's awesome. So Kate's been on my show as a guest. And so when I was sort of thinking about it, so JLD, John Lee Dumas, and I had sessions with him. And then he put me on to another guy called Travis Chappell. I oh, don't Travis, know if... awesome. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Kate, oh, awesome. Awesome, Lee. That's really good. I'm so lucky to have her as a co-host. Yeah, I've been on the, you know, the production side of the $100. So the $100 MBA, even though it started out as a course, is now much more well-known for the podcast, the $100 MBA show podcast, which won best of iTunes, now Apple Podcasts. And, you know, it's 2,000 episodes later, you know, top business podcast. I was always on the production side of things, so behind the scenes. So the podcast that I started with Kate, funny enough, during COVID, which I think a lot of podcasts came <laughs> during that time, was really something that was a passion project and just a way for her and I to spend each week together because now we're living on different sides of the world. We used to be neighbors in San Diego. So this was a way for us to do a project together, collaborate. And yeah, we saw a podcast was born out of that, out of that collaboration. Oh, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Very, really good. Hey, we're going to go and talk about leadership and, and that side of things. And we're going to talk it through the lens of, of, from a leader's perspective and so forth. And, you know, everyone's had different sort of levels of experience around leadership and it, and it sort of varies on, on the guests that I've had. 
before, which has been brilliant because we've had people from different backgrounds, which is nice. For yourself, how, how did you get into leadership? I'd say out of necessity hmm. because in teaching, I never had a leadership role. I was yeah. a member of staff and in my department. And so, you know, when I transitioned out and I did some, you know, freelance videography before, you know, the, the, the idea of the $100 MBA came about and we started that business, again, I was just managing myself. You know, that was my experience as a freelancer. And when we started our businesses together, the $100 MBA and Webinar Ninja, you know, originally it was just me and Omar and we were wearing all the hats. And, you know, so at that stage, again, like I was just trying to pick up the skills that I needed to give as much value and to support the vision and to support the business goals. And it was only when we started hiring teammates that then you start to become aware of the fact that you have to manage, manage people. And by managing people, you have to start to lead. And so originally I was more leaning towards the customer service side of the business, you know, and so that's kind of where I found myself now managing the first person and the second person. Uh, and then once our, one of our teammates became the team lead and the manager of the customer support team, I was then managing her. And so I kind of, it really like, yeah, sum it up three words out of necessity, just through, you know, building our businesses. And when you, when you did that and, and you're starting to build a team around you, what was one or two big lessons for you? Oh, I'd say I had to find that delicate balance of not micromanaging, <laughs> but also verifying and ensuring that, you know, tasks and the work got done. I think it's a big challenge for a lot of people. And I should also mention what's kind of important to note is that our team has been fully remote, completely distributed team since day one. So you know, before the world went for work from home and all of that. And again, that was out of necessity. We didn't see the future or anything like that. But I'd love to say that that was the case. It was purely organically that we grew our team that way. And so with that challenge came, you know, verifying that tasks got done and, people, and, and you know, things, you know, happened without being so on top of people that they would get frustrated. And so I definitely learned those, you know, the frustrations perhaps of the team of team members. But at the same time, I had to also not apologize for setting expectations and being being clear about what I wanted and, and the level of work and, and the quality of work that I wanted and, and having, you know, people meet those expectations, but also seeing things from their perspective if, you know, timelines couldn't be met or, you know, things needed revision and adjustment. Rhonda, Bateri, a massive welcome to you. Thank you, Dennis. So proud of you. 500 episodes. Wow. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been amazing. And the journey's been really, really cool, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Now, for our guests' sake, they would like to know, whereabouts in the world are you today? Today, New York City in America. Today, New York today, City. Today, yes. Yeah, in America. So do you travel quite a lot? Yes, Dennis. Cra travel quite a lot. There was a, a, about a five-year period where I spent over 200 days on an airplane back-to-back. -back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's when you, I don't know if it's the same airlines that you normally travel, but I remember here in New Zealand, I was traveling one year, 40 weeks in the year. And the Air New Zealand staff said, you're traveling more than us. Or they used to say to me as they greet you on the plane, you're back again. And I'm like, whoops. Okay. But it's, it's amazing how you get to travel. And you know what? With the lockdowns and so forth, I really miss not traveling. It's been nice to be home, 
but I've actually really missed it as well. And I am look, it's been great now to get back into things too, which is good. Yes. And you're from New Zealand. I mean, that lockdown for mm. the listeners also, I mean, you're in New Zealand today, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, am. <laughs> him. Yeah. Now, Rhonda, you'll just tell us a little bit more about your background, because I've said, you know, you're about you're a global executive, STEM ambassador, speaker, triathlete, two-time author, mentor. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your background, where, where you've come from, what you've done, because the listeners would love to hear that. Sure. I've worked since 12 years old, Dennis, 23 mergers and acquisitions, intentionally moved industries. So retail, insurance, banking, all in technology, but covered all the industry verticals. And I think that's important because I didn't become siloed in one industry in the world, which is very important from a mindset perspective. From a mindset perspective, because I think there's also probably listeners here saying, hey, I've been in this organization for many years or a few years. When's the right time to move? And why is it important to move industries, as you said? Change management. Change is good. A lot of people don't embrace change, Dennis. It's good thinking, getting your blinders off, learning new things. And if you don't like what's happening within your company, do something about it. Go somewhere else. Right. Learn more. Don't just sit there and think it's okay if something's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people sit there and they moan and groan about something, but if you don't like it, do something about it. And yeah, I think it's really good. Now, Rhonda, I, I'm also, tell us more. What else what kind of organizations do you work for? Who are the types of organizations? Um, Estee Lauder works Barclays, did the Bank One JP Morgan chase of merger. So a lot in finance and tech. AIG Insurance, HP Dennis, where we work together. I miss those days. I do too. And I, and I remember meeting you, you and your global team that I worked with, right? It was a group of some great leaders and went to various countries to do some workshops and team building and things like that. And I think the first time we met together was in Belgium, I think it was. was yes, that's and, memory. Yeah. And I remember, we, we remember, because I've told this story a few times in different episodes, Rhonda, whereby we did we took him on a tour around the city and then we turned the corner and we put him into a cooking class slash competition. And then there was this big argument that happened because somebody took the chef's hat off and somebody else put the chef hat on and there was this big blow up. And then I remember you wanting to jump in and I held you back a bit to say, just let it happen. And then we did the debrief afterwards. And some of those guys I've caught up with, they said that they still remember that day mm. and that whole scenario, but what they learned from it. And I don't know, do you remember that day? I remember that day in Belgium. I won't say the gentlemen's names, for, but that was, we did that every trip we went on. We made time for cultural immersion and learning. Again, going back to your other question, yeah. why do you move? You put yourself in different positions and the cooking class was unique to do as a team. And you're right, the chef hat, someone taking it off, and the conflict management, let alone by cooking, the team trying to cook together, having a competition, right? Competition, results, action-oriented. It's everything in the workplace, too. But it was about team building from all different cultures, all different countries. And you're right. I wanted to jump in and stop the argument. I didn't want an HR issue either, Dennis. But yeah. I'm glad you let, you said, Rhonda, stay back. Let it happen naturally. And... It's great to hear also, Dennis, that those gentlemen remember that because that was a teaching moment in life. Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely was. Yeah. Now, when we also met, you you had written a book called Enterprise Service Management for Dummies. Yes. Yeah. That was your first book, right? It was. And that was the yellow and black book that still exists mm. for dummies on how to manage 
the organization enterprise end to end before ServiceNow was a company, Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And and now it's known as ServiceNow, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And also you've written some other books. What, what are those books? Grit and Grind, which is taking all the experiences in the workplace and growing up on how to lead an extraordinary life. So the intent of that book was totally, it was in technology focus. It was about life. All of the business and finance acumen learnings from moments, teaching moments that we just talked about in Belgium. I should have put that in the book now that I think about it, Dennis. But there's mm. other ones around the country that I talk about from in Korea to in India, but getting people's mindsets to think differently and talking about hard work, Dennis, and not instant gratification, because that's a hot topic in today's society. That's why I'm an ambassador of this field, science, technology, engineering, and math. And my action is through sports. I'm all about action, but I'm not about this instant gratification. And I think that's a lost art. So I wrote that book about working hard. And the cover of that, Dennis, is real cow manure and fertilizer. So I'm trying to illustrate, you have to dig deep, Go into details, go into your spirit, your soul, think, change, and get your hands dirty. You know, you know what? I mean, I've always looked at you as beautiful, elegant, classy, you know, great person and real down to earth. And then when I saw the photo on the cover of that book, I was like, Rhonda, what? But then I also know you in the sense that you don't have a problem in rolling up your sleeves and getting in there and getting and making things happen. And so that whole metaphor analogy, the photograph, I thought, yeah, it's really good. But I, well, come on. And it's like, it, was, it really just sort of moved me, shifted me a little bit to say, wow. But it also got my attention because then it got me to start thinking about what does it mean and that gr the grit and grind. I think it's a great book. Thank you, Dennis. That means a lot from you. Yeah, I did not want that book with a cover of my face. You know, I, that's not my style. But I was trying to make that metaphor, get dirty. What is this? What is, what's going on? And if people could only smell that cover, Dennis. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine smelling it. Yeah, excellent. So you've been recognized for your leadership and influence and notably one of the top 50 most powerful women in technology by the National Diversity Council over several years. And you've also been involved or been recognized by various magazines and you've been in the media a lot as well. Well, what are kind of things that you, you know, and roles of CIO, CTOs and things like that, what are you seeing in the world in a sense of a female in, in executive roles, but in business today? And in other words, what are you talking about on the media when you're meeting with them? Anywhere from artificial intelligence to how do we get, how does it work, number one, and anywhere from why don't we have more women in this field? I get that question a lot. And I'm trying to shift the paradigm that this STEM field with technology is fun. It's not a bunch of brainiac. It is nerd. It's not just nerds. We're fun. That's why I came out with this fashion line and donated all charities, proceeds to charities to get the next generation involved in us. And I'm so passionate about that. And I talk about also why you need a mentor out of your own mm. industry to help you and challenge you and not be pigeonholed. So I talk about that also to anyone that will listen and because that's a very important aspect of life and also change management, which you mentioned. Why did you move? What did you learn? I always tell folks, get out of your country, adapt, cultural immersions. And so I can cross-functional industries, Dennis, because I've worked in all the industries. 
And then sports, I talk about sports a lot and what the parallel is with the STEM environment about cadence and innovation and creativity. So all various aspects. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 